Welcome to Tomorrow's World. Hong Kong's history with Britain is well known, and one must wonder how different life would be if these foreigners from the far side of the earth had not sailed into the fragrant harbor one day and set up shop. It is difficult to fully separate the influence of Britain upon Hong Kong. Victoria Harbor is named after Queen Victoria, and vehicles still drive on the British side of the road, unlike Hong Kong's Chinese counterparts on the mainland. Even to this day, the English language is widely spoken. Britain brought good government and a free market economy, freeing its industrious people to make Hong Kong one of the truly great cities of the world. Yes, one must wonder how different life would have been without the British. Would Hong Kong's inhabitants have experienced the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution? Would they have been isolated from the rest of the world for much of the 20th century? In short, would it have experienced the freedoms and prosperity it has enjoyed for so long? Now leaving the Orient for a moment, back on the other side of the world, let us ask the question, what was it that made Britain so great? How did such a small group of islands come to rule an empire on which the sun never set? Consider the extent of British possessions. At her height, her company of nations included New Zealand, India, Australia, Canada, South Africa, other nations in Africa, and numerous Caribbean islands. She also controlled strategic sea gates such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Suez, and Gibraltar. At one point, Britain ruled over nearly a quarter of the Earth and a similar percentage of Earth's people. But today, Britain is not so great. What was it that caused her to fall so rapidly in the second half of the 20th century? What might we expect for her in the future? And what difference does this make for Hong Kong, China, and the rest of the world? Stay tuned. Welcome to Tomorrow's World in this third of a three-part series on Hong Kong and Britain. Two weeks ago on Tomorrow's World, I talked about the Stone of Destiny and how this unattractive rectangular-shaped rock has been used in the coronation ceremonies of kings and queens of Ireland, Scotland, and England for well over a thousand years. 
How strange it is that these royal families put so much value on a rock that it is claimed to have originated with the ancient biblical patriarch Jacob. We read of this rock in Genesis the 28th chapter beginning in verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. Whether this is the exact same stone can be disputed. But what cannot be disputed is that this practice is very ancient. It is claimed to be Jacob's pillar stone, and these royal figures take it very seriously. So we must ask, what exactly is the connection, if any, with the patriarch Jacob and Great Britain? In last week's Tomorrow's World program, I read a number of biblical prophecies concerning Jacob's house. Those prophecies began with Abraham, were passed along to his son Isaac, were further passed to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and then to Israel's twelve sons. These promises included the land of Canaan would be given to them. Their descendants would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven in number. Kings would come from them, and they would possess the gates of their enemies. Furthermore, Jacob's descendants would be a single great nation and a company or commonwealth of nations. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. We also saw in our last program that two of Israel's twelve sons were given special blessings above their brothers. We read that in 1 Chronicles, the fifth chapter. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but notice this, but the birthright was Joseph's. Many readers of the Bible are familiar with the fact that the Christ would spring from Judah, or the Jews. But few realize that Judah's brother Joseph was to receive the birthright blessing. Surprisingly, most students of the Bible have little understanding of what the birthright blessing meant. But as we have just read, the birthright belonged to Joseph. And Joseph had two sons, Manasseh the firstborn and his younger brother Ephraim. It is through these two sons that the birthright will be split into a nation and a company of nations. Ephraim was to become that company of nations, and Manasseh was to become that single great nation. Prior to his death, Israel blessed these two grandsons, but not the way that Joseph thought it should be. Joseph expected the firstborn Manasseh to receive the greater blessing, but it was not to be so. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He, meaning Manasseh, also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, 
But truly his younger brother Ephraim shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Try as we might, it is difficult to find a history of two brother nations who more closely fit that description than that of the British Commonwealth, a great company of nations, and the United States of America, a single great nation related to them. Nor can we ignore the prophecies that these two brothers would possess the gates of their enemies. Who was it that controlled such strategic sea gates as Hong Kong, the Straits of Malacca, the Suez Canal, the Panama Canal, South Africa's Cape of Good Hope, Gibraltar, the English Channel, the Gulf of Aden, and more. And who can dispute the possession of abundant natural resources of arable land, fresh water, and mineral resources, and the unrivaled military might of these peoples, just as was predicted by Jacob in this amazingly accurate portrayal of his latter-day descendants. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors, up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. In addition to legends such as the Stone of Destiny and many others, we have historical migrations and biblical prophecy pointing to Britain and America as the descendants of the House of Israel. We see their incredible strength and wealth, their abundant natural resources, and the extent of their empires, but we also see fading empires. The same prophets who predicted wealth and greatness also predicted the fall of these nations if they turned away from God. Notice this incredibly accurate prophecy and how it applies to the American and British peoples. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. But if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. In recent decades, Britons and Americans have forsaken their religious roots. The United States, for example, was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. But today their judges and leaders can't remove God out of their sight quick enough. In 1964, a Supreme Court decision banned prayer from public schools. High-profile cases have ordered the removal of the display of the Ten Commandments from courts, public buildings, and schools. It's quite a spectacle to see pornography defended, but moral laws proclaimed harmful. And what are the fruits? 
If you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. What the descendants of Israel have forgotten is the source of their strength. I say forgotten because there once was some understanding that it was God Almighty who gave them these blessings and made them strong. A couple of years ago I was in London watching a performance at the Royal Albert Hall. When the concert came to its finale, the Master of Ceremonies invited everyone to stand up and sing. The piece chosen was Land of Hope and Glory. Since I was a visitor from Canada, I was familiar with the music, but not with the words, and what I heard surprised me. Land of hope and glory, mother of the free, how shall we extol thee who are born of thee? Wider still and wider shall thy bounds be set. God who made thee mighty, make thee mightier yet. God who made thee mighty, make thee mightier yet. Yes, there was a time when Britons knew from where their might had come. And the same can be said for their brothers in the United States, but no more. Arrogance, pride, and downright hostility toward God and His laws have caused them to forget. In return, God has prophesied this for these ungrateful people. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Long ago, the one who blessed Israel warned his people not to forget him when they became prosperous and strong. When you have eaten and are full, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God. The birthright nations of Israel have done exactly what God warned them not to do. When they became prosperous, they said in their hearts, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. He further reminds them not to forget who it was who made them mighty and wealthy. And you shall remember the eternal your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The American and British Commonwealth peoples have clearly forgotten what God told them not to forget. They have rejected God and despised His commandments. They've turned to New Age foreign gods, mystics and astrologers, murder, adultery, greed and covetousness are rampant. Nations that were once the greatest exporter of Bibles and morality have become the greatest exporters of pornography and immorality. 
The United States was once the greatest creditor nation. Today it is by far the greatest debtor nation in all of man's history. The largest so-called gay rights parades in the world are today held in the cities of the birthright peoples. Sydney, Australia, San Francisco and New York in the United States, and Toronto, Canada. Jerusalem is the gay rights capital of the Middle East and the only place that allows homosexuals, lesbians, transvestites and bisexuals to parade openly. It is no wonder that God describes His latter-day people of Israel in these terms. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. The third of the major prophets of the Bible describes the two houses of Israel, the Jews and the ten tribes which include the British Commonwealth and the United States as being like a sister of Sodom. Furthermore, he explains the cause of the problem. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, notice that word, fullness of food and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. You see that I focused on the word pride. How is it that God knew 2,500 years ago the very word the homosexual movement would use to describe their very attitude? Today we see a very troubled world. The Anglo-Saxon Celtic peoples that make up much of the British Commonwealth nations and the United States are in trouble. Their economies are in shambles. Their militaries, though still the strongest in the world, are overstretched. The mighty British Empire is no more, and knowledgeable voices are openly discussing the end of American dominance. As we all know, power hates a vacuum. When America collapses, as it surely will because of its sins, who will fill the void? The world is already seeking an alternative to the United States dollar as a reserve currency for the world. So far, as of the recording of this program, no one has come up with a substitute. But what happens when the dollar falls, as it surely will? Who and what will fill this vacuum? The surprising answer is found in the pages of the Bible. Events occurring right now are setting the stage for a final conflict among nations. Those of us here at Tomorrow's World have known for decades, because of Bible prophecy, that the status quo would not continue forever in the Middle East. While much of the world rejoices over the fall of dictatorships in North Africa, they will be sadly disappointed with what rises out of the rubble. The Bible tells us that a king of the south, a powerful leader to the south of Jerusalem, will rise up at the time of the end. The book of Daniel reveals what this future leader will do. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through." Now who is this King of the North? Other prophecies reveal him to be a charismatic figure to whom ten European kings or rulers will give over their power. For reasons I don't have time to explain in this program, this leader will almost assuredly come from Germany. And when this King of the South pushes or attacks him, 
as the above verse confirms, he will come into the Middle East with great power and overwhelm this king of the south. Notice what else he will do. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. This describes the country of Jordan. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. The decline in power of the British and American peoples will leave the world in an unstable and dangerous state. Now there are some things that you and I have very little control over. But what we can control is our own lives, how we are going to live them. It is easy to look at the sins of the United States and Britain, but what about your sins and those of your own city? If God is going to punish Israel for their sins, will He turn a blind eye to other cities and nations who commit the same things? Bible prophecy tells us He will not. But the record of the Bible does give us something very encouraging to consider. About 800 B.C. the Assyrians were growing in power. God sent His prophet Jonah to warn them that in 40 days God was going to overthrow their capital of Nineveh. For those familiar with the book of Jonah, you know that Jonah was a reluctant prophet. Instead of doing what God told him to do, Jonah caught a boat and took off in a very different direction. After being cast overboard, a large fish, specially prepared by God, swallowed him and three days later vomited him up on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. And this time, Jonah decided to do what God said. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. People almost never listen to God. They ridicule His prophecies and disregard His laws. But Nineveh appears to be the one exception in man's history. Notice their reaction beginning in verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way, and from the violence that is in his hands. What other time in human history has a city or nation ever humbled itself in such a way, and turned away from sin? It never happened before, nor has it happened since. But God does not change and he will hold off punishment for those who follow Nineveh's example. Notice again. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, 
And God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. My friends, the Bible and history confirm that Hong Kong was blessed by the eternal God when He caused the British to sail into the fragrant harbor. It's not that all that the British did was commendable. As with all nations, Britain and America have committed many sins and have acted in their own self-interest. But in spite of this, many nations and cities around the world have been better off because of them. The time is coming when these chosen people are in for a difficult time. The Bible describes the time we are entering into in these words. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved out of it. Yes, it is the time of Jacob's trouble, and there is no time in history that will be like it. It is going to be the worst time in man's history. But you, my friends, can escape this time of trouble. Even if you don't understand all that I've covered in these last three programs, you should know this. The God of the Bible is a God of love. He loves His people. He loves Britain and America. But He also loves you. He has shown great favor to Hong Kong. You have been blessed with one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And He loves China. He has given us laws which, if kept, will keep us from a world of hurt. But He has given us free moral agency, and we must choose whether to obey Him or not. One of the most important scriptures in all the Bible is found back in the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, and verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. If you'd like to learn more about the biblical identity of nations and events to occur in the very near future, be sure to go to our website that will be shown momentarily. Our booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy, will help you make sense of what is happening in the world today. And be sure to come back next week, same time, same place, to learn more about the prophecies of tomorrow's world when peace will eventually come to this troubled world. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God. 